If no one sheds light on what is being done in the darkness, it will never stop. One in three girls and one in six boys are sexually abused and told to hush. Breaking the silence is the first step to healing. Healing is a lifelong journey. Find your voice. Your story matters. Pain put me into hiding. Purpose called me out. May the silence be broken. Thanks for listening to the One Voice Podcast. It's a safe place for conversation on relevant topics with real life stories to encourage and inspire you along life's journey of healing from sexual abuse. I'm Mary O'Brien and now Nicole Braddock Bromley. Welcome back to the One Voice Podcast. I'm here with Peace Amadi, the author of the newly freshly released book called Why Do I Feel Like This? understand your difficult emotions and find grace to move through. Welcome, peace. Oh, thank you so much, Nicole. And thank you for having me. I'm loving doing podcasts. So this is, I'm super excited. (laughs) Yeah, I've really enjoyed our podcast. We've had so many amazing guests and new authors. And, but I will say I am especially excited about today. Just having followed you, um, just your Instagram is beautiful and it's so wise and your voice is powerful and your friends are super cool. And I just love your content. And I'm really excited about this new book that you put out because, you know, I I shared with you previously that most of our listeners are survivors of some type of trauma, mostly sexual abuse. And, you know, the, the importance of storytelling and the importance of, of the healing journey. And I think your book just really um, kind of goes real parallel to the work that I've been doing for nearly 20 years in, in helping survivors find their voice, but also to kind of unpack the roots of why we are the way we are. <laughs> and so I'm really excited to kind of dive in to a lot of topics, but two of the big ones that I really wanted to kind of pick your brain about are on the core beliefs and anxiety. Um, I think these are two really common things that survivors of sexual abuse, especially, um, are scary for us to talk about, but we also know they're there. <laughs> so, um, I think if we kind of go down the core belief road first, you know, you talk about how core beliefs are these deep seated beliefs about ourselves, others in the world. Um, and that's something I actually unpacked in my first book hush years mm-hmm. ago, because I think, yes, the things that we've gone through really do affect how we think about things and they plant lies within ourselves about what you talk about are the core beliefs. Um, you know, for me, peace, it was a lot about, and still things I'm in therapy for now, to be honest with you, just yesterday I had a session and I talked about my core belief of it's my responsibility to keep others happy, mm. to keep the peace, especially in my family. But now I even see it playing out in friendships and other things, my marriage. Um, and then just lies, you know, universally about men or God or things like that. But I want, I wondered if you could take it a step farther and share um, some of what you've learned and what you've even taught as a professor of just how you talk about the, how they reflect our own sense of lovability and capability. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, core beliefs is actually one of my favorite things to talk about because I know that in my own uh, personal journey. It was. It wasn't until I had begun to tap into my own core beliefs 
that my life began to slowly transform. Mm-hmm. Um, like this person that I am now, um, you know, that people seem to experience as kind of bold and confident and, um, you know, really kind of, you know, just walking in purpose. And, uh, you know, you said my voice is powerful. Like these Mm -hmm. things feel, and I would say are relatively new for me. And it, and the, the, the shift happened when I got in touch with my core beliefs, um, specifically my beliefs around lovability and capability, Mm -hmm. as you Mm -hmm. mentioned, Mm -hmm. um, because they're literally the foundation of everything. If you're mm-hmm. trying to figure out, you know, why you feel the way you do, I know that's the title of my book. Yeah. But, you know, if you're trying to figure out why you feel the way you do, why you have the patterns that you have, mm. um, you know, why you keep doing things that you say you, you know, you don't want to do anymore, you know, mm-hmm. why you find yourself in certain types of relationships whatever, whatever the case may be, a lot of that goes back to how lovable do you feel as a person? Um, mm. And how capable do you feel as a mm. person? And what I like to highlight is that these beliefs, sorry, let me turn off my phone here. They're doing the absolute most as always. <laughs> um, <laughs> what I like to highlight is that a lot of times we're, we're not walking around with an awareness of mm-hmm. what these beliefs are. So we're not necessarily walking around thinking I'm unlovable. Like, you know, nobody loves me. It's not always on the forefront. It's often not on the forefront of our mind or even in any kind of consciousness until maybe you start, you know, really doing the work, working with a therapist, maybe coming across some material that reflects something back to you that begins to resonate with you. And you're like, oh my gosh, I think I believe that at some, you know, deep level. Um, but yeah, so they, they live in sort of our subconscious mind and they started with our experiences, right. with our earliest experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, childhood is a very, as we all know, childhood is a very, you know, formative time. Adolescence is a very formative time. Um, young adulthood, still mm-hmm. a very formative time. And anytime we experience something um, significant in any of these periods, we're going to take away some sort of meaning Mm. about ourselves. And so, as you can imagine, if the experience is something like a trauma, something like an abuse, something where there was toxicity, tox, I can never say that. (laughs) Toxicity. Yes. (laughs) Toxicity. Oh my gosh. That's like (laughs) my one word I cannot say. And I talk about it so much. Um, You know, if we've experienced that, (laughs) that thing, yes, that thing that's very bad, then you can, um, you can imagine the type of things you start to believe about yourself that literally begin to sort of direct your life, um, Mm -hmm. until you begin to take hold of them. Yeah. I really resonate with that. I think it's, it's funny too, how, you know, you can go for years and years of just like you said, the patterns and you don't really know. I think a lot of times it takes an outside source to be able to help you make those connections. And that's how it's been for me. You know, I, 
you know, I was sexually abused my whole childhood. I told when I was 14 and that abuse ended then, but it went on for 10 years. So there was a lot of me feeling like I had to hold my family together. I had to protect my mom. You know, there's a lot of narratives, even when I came out of that, that I was believing I was, I was speaking, I was advocating, I was sharing my story and, you know, over time, you start to really build up a pattern of even talking about your own trauma. And so I think the last few years, especially through the pandemic and working through some of my story to be quite vulnerable, I needed that outside therapist to be able to say, Nicole, like some of these things that you're seeing today as 40 year old Nicole stem back to 14 year old Nicole. And it's just like, how did I not see that? I've been talking about abuse for 20 years. And sometimes you do, you need that, that outside person, that professional to be able to say, okay, consider this connection. And it is, it's core belief. Absolutely. And, and that's so key. I like, I, I really hope that people get that, that, you know, and this is what I mean that it lives in our subconscious. We're not, we're not mm-hmm. walking around it's hard to connect our own dots. Yes. You know, it's hard to connect our own dot our, our own dots. We need, like you said, the outside person who can kind of objectively look back mm-hmm. and kind of just let you talk, you know, let you explore, let you, you know, um, recall memories mm-hmm. kind of, Oh, yeah. you know, I'm seeing, Oh, you know, the, what you're thinking now is kind of the same way you were thinking when you were four, when you were 11, when you yeah. were 13. You know, I remember a time in therapy because I see a therapist as well. I remember a time in therapy where I was talking about being, you know, really self-conscious about uh, about something, really afraid of something that I was about to do. Mm-hmm. And um, I had previously told her about a birthday party when I was 11 years old, that was um, really, uh, really hard for me. Um, Mm. A really hard day and a really bad birthday. Mm. And she was the one that had said, you know, something to the tune of, you know, these feelings right here that you're experiencing, you know, at, you know, 30, I think I was 35, 36 at the time, Mm -hmm. um, sound a lot like this 11 year old Mm. girl you know, right after this birthday party. Yeah. And, and the belief there was that I wasn't worthy of Mm -hmm. anything. You know, Mm -hmm. I wasn't worthy enough of what I wanted to do. Yeah. And I'd never made that, I'd never made that connection until that point. Hmm. And it highlighted for me that this same, you know, belief, these same fears kind of went back to that birthday party that I'd never fully healed from that birthday party and the beliefs I developed about myself because of that birthday party, because this happens like literally one singular events can be so impactful that we adopt a particular belief Mm -hmm. that we carry throughout our adulthoods. Um, And I, and I think that's, that's something we shouldn't gloss over. That's a big deal, you know? And, And, and it's also, it's also something that um, I hope encourages self-compassion, mm-hmm. you know, that it's, it, all it takes is one bad experience, let alone someone in your case who's endured years of trauma, you know what I mean? And I've, yeah. I've worked with many women myself mm-hmm. where, um, you know, we can, 
we can pinpoint one, one really hard moment, take it all the way back to one singular event, and then they realize, wow, if just that one singular event has impacted me, imagine you know, what I really need to unpack having have endured years of the same thing. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, that's, that's something to grieve, you yeah. know, that's something yeah. to, to have a lot of self-compassion for when you start yeah. making connections between your childhood and your adulthood, that's yeah. a really, really big deal. And, and when, you know, when we say the word survivor, that, that is, that's a big deal, you know, like it's not, ugh, we say survivor, like, oh, I'm a survivor, but it's like you mm-hmm. survived not just one incident, you know, years of things like that is to me, survivors are, are the most incredible people. They're the, they're the most, I, I just, I just have so much love and respect and admiration for those who have survived, you know, the various traumas mm-hmm. um, because I know just what one thing can do to a yeah. person. Does that make yeah. sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, we can't compare our trauma, but I, I do agree. And I, I appreciate that, that kindness and that compassion. And I'm even thinking as you're sharing about so many of our listeners, you know, they have multiple abusers over, you know, long periods of time. And, and it's something to really think about. Like we, we gain these core beliefs or, you know, we, we take these core beliefs from various times of trauma. And for those who've gone through multiple, you know, there's a lot to uncover and you talk about, you know, we have to uncover these things. It's, there's a need there to uncover it for our healing. And what I found peace, I really found this to be true, especially over the last year, really with the pandemic and people being isolated and, you know, no community, but feeling very triggered, um, when we've got these core beliefs and we see the patterns that you're talking about over and over, and then we have someone that can make the connection for us, you know, that thing that you're feeling, that thing you're believing right now as a 40 year old woman might be stemming. Could you consider that it might be stemming from that thing that happened, you know, when you were eight or when you were 12 or when you were 11 at that party or when you were 14, when you told or whatever it was, if you can make the connection, the power in taking that back is, mm-hmm. is so it, it breaks, it breaks the chains. Like what I have found is if I can change the pattern going forward in a single instance, like, let's say, you know, I, I just decide now I'm going to do it differently this time. Yeah. What I found is I'm not only caring for myself now as the adult survivor, but I'm also sending a message backwards to yeah. that little girl. Yeah. And I'm saying, you know what? I see you. I get it. I've made the connection, but I've got it. I've got you, you know, you're safe now and I'm going to take care of it from here. And the yeah. power there. Yeah, absolutely. It's, mm. it's powerful. It's, it's beautiful. And it, it reminds me of, of, you know, this idea that I've talked about with students that we're almost, we're, we're living in sort of three different dimensions at the same time. So as you know, you and I here in our present, we are, also still that child and yeah. we are 
also still our future self or you know mm. we are our future self all at the same time i know this mm. is kind of trippy but you know go with me on this mm-hmm. so it i think i think what helps that you know clarify that is think about what you just said you know i i can make connections between what i'm doing now um, what I'm feeling now, what I'm believing now, and what I have in my past, um, we see that connection. But you can also, you know, change something in your present, you know, do something differently, like you said, and that has an impact backwards. Mm-hmm. It also impacts your future self. Um, and that's that we are literally interconnected in that way, like our different selves. So mm-hmm. everything that we do for ourselves now, we're doing for that little child, mm-hmm. right? Everything that we're doing for ourselves now is nurturing our future self. And so that's why what we do now in the present is so powerful, mm-hmm. whether it's speaking back to you know the child that was hurt, um, speaking, speaking back to that inner child and saying, you know what, it wasn't your fault, or, you know, you are worthy, you are so deserving of good things, you know, you can do this, um, you deserve the best, whatever, whatever the case may be, as you speak to yourself, you're speaking to that child, you're speaking to your future self, and all of it is healing, you're healing yourself, yeah. your, your, your past self, um, you're creating a better self all at the same time. And, mm. And that's why it's so important to become aware of the things that we're feeling and experiencing and believing and beginning to like take hold of it and, and, and speak into it. Because even though we can't go back and necessarily fix the past, we can speak to it in a way that, mm-hmm. you know, continues to, to heal us. Mm-hmm. And I love, I love being able, I love being able to speak to myself and know that I'm still healing that child that still, you know, that, that requires healing still. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. It, it's, it's a new type of redemption that um, I had never considered before, you know, growing up in the evangelical church and kind of the, that the whole thing there was, it was never discussed. Like it was always, you know, that was then. And now, you know, there's a lot of spiritual bypassing that would go on there. So going backwards and be able to speak to like that traumatized child wasn't ever on my radar, but it has been one of the most healing parts of my journey over the last decade, I would say. And I love what you said about the future self. Like that's something I actually hadn't even considered, but truly a big part of my healing now has been learning to set boundaries with people and that that's okay. And it's, you know, it's really fruitful in my life and it has set me up for a lot more happiness, joy, health, and peace. Um, now because I did it a few years ago. And yeah, so that's something I hadn't really considered that that was actually speaking to the, to the me today. And as I continue to walk this out, I can make those decisions and, and find my voice in ways that would um, help my future self. That's great. Yeah. 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 That's how I like to think about it anyway. And what I've shared in my work and it almost gives increased motivation to the women I've worked with to think that they're not only healing themselves now, healing who they were, that they are, you know, nurturing their future self. Um, And, you know, that only helps, helps them become, you know, who they want to be, because we're all striving to be 
something, right? We're all, we're all striving yeah. for more, for better, for more freedom, whatever the case may be. And so speaking to ourselves now does, goes in both directions. And um, I personally love being able to think about it that way. Mm-hmm. And then kind of turning a corner with the speaking to ourself piece. And I wanted to talk a little bit with you about, you know, obviously our feelings and our emotions and specifically anxiety. And I want to get to the part where we can talk back to our anxiety. Cause I love, love, love how you talk about that in your new book, but could we kind of go just to the foundation of like, how would you define anxiety? I mean, I know you've said like all this stuff is like a gift and that's hard to embrace for those listening who have anxiety, who struggle with depression, who have feelings that are a lot. <laughs> A little extra, like this is a gift. I don't know, please. Like, yeah, sure. yeah, yeah. So, um, the reason why I call emotions a gift and even difficult emotions a gift, because at their core, and and I do let me say this disclaimer that you know the the um, overwhelm and the um, let me just say yeah the the overwhelm and the you know turning your life upside down, um, you know, via a specific emotion. I mean, that part, I'm not going to call that part a gift, you know, it's not, it's not, it's not for your life to be like, you know, (laughs) um, like that's not fun for anyone. I wouldn't do that for anyone. You know, that's what happens when, you know, that that's a sign that we really need to kind of look at what's going on and, and we need to heal, but Mm -hmm. at their core, at their core, emotions are just telling us what we need. Yeah. That's that. That's what they are. They are literally, you know, you know, a gift from God, designed by God to show us what it is we're missing um, in our lives, in our relationships, um, in our careers. You know, mm-hmm. our dreams. All it's it's information that is designed to help us designed to help us have more satisfying safe fulfilling loving lives that's what emotions are they get a bad rap a lot of the emotions are uncomfortable a lot of them feel ugly but at their core they're trying to tell us something about ourselves they're sending a message mm-hmm. with anxiety in particular anxiety is you know, how I define it anyway, is what we feel when we don't feel safe. And mm-hmm. when it comes to, you know, particularly those who have um, survived something difficult, be it a trauma or, you know, or something else, you know, adversity, mm-hmm. this, this anxiety that we still may feel is literally just trying to protect us from more pain, mm-hmm. from more abuse, from more manipulation, mm. from more victimization. Yeah. It's not something that is a, you know, a sign that you are weak, mm-hmm. that you are um, bad, that you are, you know, any of the, uh, that you don't trust God or any of these things that we've heard along the way in our journey. It's literally trying to, to protect us mm-hmm. from something bad, from something worse from having to go through anything like we've what we've been through again. So again, anxiety is what we feel when we don't feel safe. And yeah. for that reason, I find it so important 
and you know so crucial that we that we that we have a conversation with our anxiety what are you trying to tell me you know um, this is how I talk in my journal. Okay, I'm feeling anxious about this situation mm-hmm. or I'm feeling anxious in this relationship. Anxiety, what are you trying to tell me? Mm-hmm. And I say, one of the questions that you want to ask is, are you in danger? Because mm-hmm. our fear and anxiety system, again, was built to let us know if dan- let us know when danger's around so we can create a plan to keep ourselves safe. Yeah. Sometimes we are in danger and maybe it's not physical danger. Maybe a mountain lion isn't going to jump out, but maybe it's emotional danger. Yeah. Maybe it's psychological danger. Maybe the person we're in a friendship with or a relationship with, or the situation we're going to about to enter, isn't going to be um, nurturing for us. And that's what we need. Our bodies know what we need. Our psyche knows what we need. Mm -hmm. Um, is that, is that making sense? Is it's so good. Yes. Yeah. I just want you to keep preaching if that's okay. <laughs> no, it's just, um, yeah, <laughs> I'm really passionate about, particularly with anxiety, because so many of us struggle, mm-hmm. um, those with, you know, who have experienced trauma and those who haven't. Um, and, and it's, I, I think anxiety has gotten a bad rap again, hmm. when, it starts to overtake your life and you, you can't move, you can't breathe, you can't, you know, yeah, you know, work, you can't have a social life. Mm-hmm. I, you know, that that part isn't a gift. That part is your anxiety has has grown um to something that you could no longer ignore, that you have to figure out, you know, okay, what's what's going on. Yeah. And it, it could be something, it could be something um sheerly biochemical, sheerly, you know, biological, you know, where medication could truly help, Mm -hmm. or it could be, you know, a trauma you need to look back at. It could be a bunch of different things. Um, But it, anxiety is just trying to tell us that Mm -hmm. we're not feeling safe about something. And that's a conversation we should have with ourselves because maybe we are in danger and need to validate that. Mm-hmm. Or maybe there's something else going on. Um, and so we need to begin talking with that with our therapist. But the yes. anxiety ourself is something to to have a conversation with. Not- and I like that you talk about it's a conversation we can have. Like that feels like I love just being curious about our healing and our past and the connections there and um, just even our our trauma responses. And I, I think it, it might be, if you don't mind sharing what you talk about as far as the three questions you can ask yourself during anxiety, you talk about there's wisdom and anxiety and that there's three questions that you found. Yeah. Important here. Yeah. Well, I'm going to turn this, I'm going to turn this back on you. Well, I'm going to, I'm going to challenge this because I'm going to share two yeah, I'll share two because one of them I just shared. And then I'm going to ask that people actually get the book and read about it. <laughs> yes, ma'am. <laughs> but the first one, um, like I was sharing earlier. Yeah, we don't want to tell the whole book. <laughs> but even if we did, you got to get this girl's book. <laughs> you got to get the book. Oh, yeah. Um, so um, so one of the questions, w- which I had, you know, uh, was just sharing is, am I in danger? Because again, anxiety yes. is... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, something that may be telling us that something 
isn't safe. And it, it may be something that appears it should be safe. Like I know for me, um, just to give like a very concrete example, for me, there was a relationship I was in that, um, you know, looked good on the outside looking in, you know, I'm, you know, um, I've been, you know, um, ready to fall in love, get married, start a family, you know, for a while I'm in my thirties, um, 38. And, um, you know, I thought that this would happen a little earlier. Um, and so I was in a relationship, you know, he checked all the boxes mm -hmm. and, you know, I'm ready, you know, he's apparently ready, but I was just feeling really, really anxious. I would go to sleep feeling really anxious about it. And I, you know, I didn't know why, mm. um, like what is going on, you know? And mm -hmm. I, I already struggle with anxiety, you know, a little bit. And so I just like chalked it up to me being an anxious person, mm -hmm. but you know, me starting to really think about what I truly believe in anxiety. I'm like, no, I think I need to like actually have a conversation about what's going on here. And one of the questions that I teach to ask is, am I in danger? And so that was the first question I asked myself. And I'm like, I'm not in danger. He's not, you know, he's not abusive. He's not this or that. And a third yeah. um, where I would, I would say is like immediate danger. But then, you know, if I were honest, um, he, uh, <laughs> he had, um, uh, he had a, a big drinking problem. Mm -hmm. And, you know, at first it wasn't, at first it wasn't too bad to deal with, but I think when I really thought about our lives together and where he was at and his awareness with how much he was drinking and what he was like dealing with it. Yeah. Um, I realized that that wasn't going to be a safe experience for me. Yeah. Um, and that's a very personal decision. I, I know friends, mm -hmm. you know, who are in relationships with people who um, are dealing with their addiction and, you know, they, it works for them. Every, everybody's different, but I know sure. for me and the type of person I am and the, the, you know, everything, just everything and where he was at with his awareness yeah. of what, how he needed to do life was something that created a very unpredictable, which is unsafe situation for me. So okay. was I in danger? Like, was he about to like, you know, beat me up? No, but the way he lived his lifestyle and his awareness of that, the, the lack of awareness of that was creating something for me that didn't feel safe. Mm -hmm. And so I decided to end the relationship. I decided to listen to myself and trust what felt, um, right for me yeah and so I just you know that's hopefully that's a helpful example of yeah. you know me asking myself am I in danger yeah it's not immediate because if it was most of us would see those red flags but a lot of times people can walk in our lives and be covered in red flags but it doesn't mean they're going to hurt us right now it's red flags for maybe a year down the road Right, right. Yeah. It doesn't mean they're going to hurt us right now. It doesn't yeah. mean they're even going to hurt us physically. I wasn't afraid yeah. of him. Right. You know? mm -hmm. And that, so it's like, when we talk about safety, we're not just talking about physical safety. Yeah. We could be talking about emotional safety, sexual right. safety, financial right. safety, you know, all the different things that helps us do life. It, it's, they're all a question of safety. There should yeah. be safety in all of them. And I can tell that that was not there. And I wasn't mm -hmm. really willing to align myself to that because of my vulnerabilities, this would not have been good for me. Yeah. Um, so that's one example. Are you in danger? The second one um, would, would um, second question, I'm trying to remember how I phrase it exactly. 
<laughs> is it the thinking one? What am I thinking? Do, mm. do you remember? <laughs> well, what am I thinking? So we'll go with that. If I'm wrong, you could be like, that's we'll not go with that. Thinking. And you can save the third. So everybody make sure they get, trust me though, our right. listeners will be getting your book either way, but um, you're, you. you're so adorable. Oh, thank you. Um, but yeah, the second question, um, what what am I thinking? So a, a lot of us probably know we've, we've heard, but for those who don't, that our thinking is very much connected to our feelings. Mm-hmm. Um, I like to talk about the, the triangle where we have, you know, um, thoughts at the top of the triangle, you know, feelings on one on one corner mm-hmm. and then on that last corner behavior. So this, this is kind of how our lives work, where we think something, I mean, this is like a simplification, but we think something and because of that thought, we feel something. Mm -hmm. And because of that feeling, we start to act in a certain way. So, you know, which then goes back to, you know, how we think. So a practical example of that, um, you know, thinking for thinking, for example, I'm a bad mom. Okay. Um, You have that thought. What, what do you feel? What would people feel if they're thinking I'm a bad mom? They're going to be feeling um, sad. They're going to be feeling, you know, guilty. They're going to be feeling, you know, not good things. And then if they're, think- if they're feeling that, then how might they act? Well, when you're feeling so badly, maybe, you know, you're oversleeping because you're so sad or mm-hmm. you're not, you know, emotionally responsive because you're feeling so guilty. And so when you're oversleeping or you're not emotionally responsive to your child, as an example, maybe you do happen to miss, you know, important opportunities to be what your child needs you to be. Mm-hmm. You know, you lash out or something because you're feeling so bad. And so that sort of kind of deepens this thinking you're mm-hmm. a bad mom. And then that cycle continues. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. So, you know, with anxiety, it's the same thing. You are maybe um, thinking, you know, uh, it's important to look at what you may be thinking about yourself or thinking about your life or thinking about your world, Mm -hmm. because for sure that is creating feelings of anxiety um, that may be re- may be impacting how you are dealing with your life, which will then go on to kind of deepen whatever those thoughts are. So it's important to kind of check in with our thoughts because our thoughts absolutely impact how we feel. Mm-hmm. And when we can check in with those thoughts, we again have a conversation. Mm-hmm. Are these thoughts fair thoughts? Are these thoughts true thoughts? Right. Are these thoughts, you know, um, <laughs> good thoughts? Are these thoughts productive thoughts? You know, because if they're not, if these aren't productive, if these aren't helpful, if these aren't true, then that's where we need to work. We need to work on changing those. And I'm not saying that's easy, but at least we know where to start. Real quick, I just wanted to drop some knowledge on you that the virtual support groups and the new curriculum that I just put out this past year, 2021, called Unleash, the virtual safe space for survivors of sexual abuse to come into a safe place to experience belonging and free wild souls. This whole thing, we're going to continue the summer 
I'm really excited. I mean, honestly, summer for me is usually a time that's kind of down, like as far as like not sad, but like down as far as like, okay, I can be with my kids. I can spend time outdoors. I love summer. Get me in the pool. Well, not maybe in it, but beside it. But anyways, I still want to keep these groups going. I was planning on taking the summer off from Unleash and hitting it back up in the fall. But holy cow, it's been so fun. These groups have been so meaningful. In fact, many survivors have gone through one whole set of the eight weeks and then signed up for another one. It's just been a really, really meaningful, sweet, precious experience for all of us. And I just want to keep it going. So we've added some more groups for the summer. We might even pop some up for the fall. Male survivors really want to plug you in here. Uh, We've got some guys waiting in the wings for some more male survivors to sign up so that we can run a group. We really need a minimum of five to get it going. So we just need a couple more of you to be willing to take the plunge. Really hope that you'll join us. Look at our website, IamOneVoice.org. Click on the Unleash link and you'll find the list of all the groups that are starting this summer and also in the fall. We hope you'll join us. It's called Unleash. It has officially launched. Check it out now. Sign up. Go to IamOneVoice.org. IamOneVoice.org. It brings me back to a situation that I had just a few months ago where I don't regularly struggle with anxiety. I have a lot of friends who do, but there I have, you know, episodes, let's say. And I had an episode a few months ago where I felt very anxious about a decision. Um, and I text, actually I text Mary and, um, about it. And her response to me over text was, well, what's the worst that could happen? And I thought, well, right. (laughs) So I didn't even come up with answer in my mind what it was just immediate like yeah and I know you've talked in your book too about saying back to anxiety so what so So what what? so what if that's true so what if that happens so what Mm -hmm. and to me it was the same thing and I was and I replied to Mary I was just like yeah you're right I'm gonna go do that (laughs) and it was great and it was fine Yeah. yeah it's just so funny to have to talk back to the anxious thought but it's so simple when you do and it, and it helped to just squelch the whole thing. And I know it's not going to be that easy every time for a lot of people, but right. I did see yeah. having the conversation with it mattered. It made a difference for me. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yes. Because, um, so what questioning can, can be really powerful and it will depend on the person. It'll depend on the situation. I, I never want to simplify anything, but right. like sure. you shared, you know, whenever you have a particular thought and you, you're starting to ask yourself, is this true? Is this helpful? Is this productive? Um, you know, an, another important question would be, okay, let's say this is a little bit true. Okay, so what? Like you just said, you know, yeah. if the thought I'm having is a little bit true, I'm trying to yeah. think of an example, like um, this, this conversation may strain um this relationship. So, you know, your thought is like, yeah, this conversation that I need to have, that's important for me to have may strain this relationship a little bit. It may put this relationship under, under duress a little bit. And not to say that that's, you know, something to be nonchalant about, but when you ask yourself, so what, you know, so what if 
this kind of tests our relationship a little bit. Um, I need to have this conversation. You know, mm-hmm. what, what is the worst that can happen? If the worst that can happen is that the relationship is stressed, strained, or that I even lose the relationship, but not talking about not having this conversation means I stay in a situation that is um, hurting me, that is toxic for me, that is taking my power away, that is making me unhappy, then, you know, I, I might be all right. You know, if, mm-hmm. if the worst thing is that I get myself out of a relationship that's not good for me in the first place, then I just answer my question. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I, I it love- It kind that. of answers itself. If you allow yourself to go there. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. When you, when you sew what stuff, it can bring some clarity as to what really matters and what mm-hmm. you really need. And it tends to make the things that you're anxious about feel not so scary anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I really like that. I really, I think there's a lot, a lot of truth there and a lot of freedom if you're able to put these things into practice in your life. Um, yeah. And everyone needs support. I mean, having a support system is so important. And I love, I love that you brought up that you were able to talk to Mary about this because mm-hmm. none of these things are necessarily easy. You know, right. identifying our thoughts, you know, responding to our thoughts with the so what, you know, thinking about the potential of like what can happen, you know, when we're trying to do something that we know we need to do. None of it is easy. I don't want to simplify that, but when you have a support system, when you have someone that you can always go back to, fall back on, friends, small group, you know, your faith, your journal, your mom, whatever the case may be, mm-hmm. that is kind of like the bigger kind of anchor that we have that is so important in our healing journey. Healing journeys should not be walked alone. So whether it's your therapist, your mama, your friends, whatever, you know, whatever, all the things I'm asking you to do, I hope and ask that you're doing this with the support of somebody, something, because we all need that. Absolutely. Yes. And amen. I wonder what you would say about just emotions in general, I think can be scary, especially for those of us who've been abused, right? You know, we were taught to not feel about what we were going through. We were taught to not say anything. We were taught silence about our feelings. We were taught to numb what we felt. Um, So how, how would you say that a survivor specifically would begin to identify with and be with their emotions in a healthy way? You know, like, there's so much talk now about sitting with our emotions, right? And um, to be, when we've been told it's not okay to feel, um, you know, and we've gone through a pattern of numbing or running from big emotions, what would be your advice to survivors to begin that process of being able to do it in a healthy way? Yeah. Still, you know, the main message of this book and just, you know, what I encourage in terms of how we look at our emotions is our emotions, however big they are, however scary are, they really are our friends. Mm. They really are our advocates. Mm. Um, I think that's the place I would want anyone to start. Like I'm feeling something, it's big, it's overwhelming, 
it's scary. It makes me act in certain ways that I don't like or that people tell me are not good. Yes, yes, I get all of that. Still at the end of the day, those feelings are your advocate. Mm-hmm. They're trying to show you something. They're trying to show you what you need or need more of. Mm-hmm. Um, there's always a way to act out of our emotions. Yes, but we're not, we're not talking about that. You know, We're talking about how to just engage with these bad boys in the first place. <laughs> and they're truly our advocates. I can't think of an emotion that isn't in some way trying to advocate for your own being your own safety, your own respect, your own dignity, you mm-hmm. know, your own sense of belonging. You cannot think of emotion that isn't pointing to what you truly want, need, deserve, you know, even with depression, you know, uh, um, in my work, in my research, something as big and scary and overwhelming as depression Sometimes, not every time, sometimes it's pointing to loneliness. Sometimes it's pointing to, you know, feeling like you've lost a sense of purpose or a sense of significance in your life. I mean, even depression in a way is advocating for you, you know? Um, I just can't, I just don't see it any other way um, from my perspective. And I think if we can start there, Mm-hmm. start there like okay this is big this is scary this is overwhelming I've even heard this is bad to feel mm. what's it trying to tell me yeah what of, of my life is it trying to advocate for yeah what do I not have enough of you know what do I need to request of my relationships now what does the little girl in me still need you know what do I need to tell her or him you know yeah that's beautiful it's a lot of it i'm hearing is just you know an understanding of a change in perspective about what it is like our trauma taught us that this was bad wrong it should be stuffed or silenced but the truth is you know it's informative it's it's an advocate for us and and it's going to be okay like we're safe now and i think um being able to work that out in a safe community really matters too. Uh, you know, we've been, I've been running some virtual survivor support groups for the past few months, and it's been probably the, the most beautiful process of it has been those survivors who were willing to sit with a new emotion that they never felt like they could before because yeah. they were in community with other survivors who could validate it, who, would be there the next week, you know, and would hear the report back how they're doing. So, um, gosh, there's so much to say about just that change in perspective and being able to be curious and talk about it and know you're safe now and that you're not alone, that you're not alone. That's really good. I I love that you keep saying the word curious. It's one of my favorite words. It's actually (laughs) one of my love languages. I always joke that there's Uh a love language. Um, because my love language is experiencing um, curiosity. You know, um, having somebody be curious about me and what's going on inside me is how I feel loved. And I don't oh, see same. That on any, you feel me? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't see that on any like love language um, measure, you know? So I'm like, maybe I need to like redo love language because they're missing some. <laughs> I think so. 
Oh, they need love languages from a black woman. I will say that. Let's go. Because we're going to start talking about curiosity. We're going to start talking about food. We're going to start talking about... (laughs) Right. Absolutely. (laughs) Going with me me to buy a new car, which is what I did this past weekend. So I'm thinking of all these ways that we have a lot to be... (laughs) That's another book. I know you have a lot in you piece I'm like half joking but half serious but um (laughs) yeah I do love that you um keep saying curiosity and just to highlight that point about everything that I talk about this book and everything we're talking about has to be done in safe community it has to our healing journey is not meant for us to do alone yeah that is that's dangerous yeah that's um that's not that won't end well it won't end well. We're not right. meant to be alone. We're not meant to do things alone. We're not meant to heal alone. Um, mm. We're meant to heal in community. We're meant to heal in love. And that can look different for every person, but we're, it, it needs to be, it, there needs to be someone, something um, with us that's safe and nourishing. Um, yes. And that that's, that's the foundation. That's, that's the soil for, for all of us when it comes to our healing, our community. I think so too. Mm-hmm. Hmm. One final thing that, that kind of brings up for me, even just realizing how often we have sort of a, you know, survivors, especially we want to minimize our experience, especially in community. Um, even in this conversation, you know, you're sharing about one experience versus 10 years and there's no comparative suffering, you know, where someone else's experience isn't that bad. And I think we often need to hear that from each other, from other survivors, through other trauma survivors, people have gone through something difficult that's impacted their core beliefs. Like um, to, to know that our experiences are valid, even up against somebody else's. Oh yeah. And that mm-hmm. was, that was a big, thank you for saying that. That was a big deal for me too, because I've not experienced, you know, I mean, I, I have not experienced abuse. I, I remember talking to my therapist because my trauma is actually bullying. My trauma is, mm. um, yeah, you know, years of being bullied pretty badly as a child. And I remember in therapy when that all kind of caught up to me and I was like, in t- mm. like, broken about it because I just finally let it all out like all those years of pretty much being told I wasn't worth anything you know and that I just wasn't good I wasn't right you know and how that how that changed me and I remember I even wrote this in the book saying how can I be this upset about this it's not like I was abused it's not like I was raped it's not like I was mad at myself for being this hurt Mm. over common childhood bullying Mm. it was my therapist that looked at me and said but it hurt you that's right you You know what i mean yes i do it affected you yeah grieve Mm -hmm. it yes yes and so i love that you point that out because yes you can't compare Mm -hmm. trauma um if it hurt you it hurt you if it wounded you it wounded you if Mm -hmm. it was one thing or many things or one instance or 10 instances 10 instances um i mean i'll still say that uh there are some things that um I, I i still have to say that there are there are some things that are that i i think are probably the worst things a person can go through um 
I, uh, sure. But those people who've gone through the worst would never discount what you've gone through or the pain that it's caused you. And I think that that's really important for all of us that when we're in community to hear that from one another, you know, that there's no comparative suffering. We're not to minimize each other's pain, but to hear it, to sit with it, to validate, you know, the grief and, and the journey that you're on to heal from that. And that's a really big deal. And, um, you know, standing in solidarity with each other, despite the differences in our stories is such a beautiful part of our healing, you know, that community. Um, You know, another thing that's come up a lot in our group and our Unleash, it's called Unleash, Mm -hmm. our Unleash survivor groups is um, just the religious trauma, honestly, like as a Christian woman, it's, it's, you know, my faith has been foundational to my healing, but at the same time, um, other believers have been some of the most harmful to my healing, you know, with the spiritual bypassing that we talked about before, just using that spiritual language to really, um, you know, try to take away the validation that could have been there or, or helped me further along. And, um, you know, I think that's also a piece to, to the safe community of, of those who've gone through trauma is to be able to say like, oh, you know, I've heard those words too. They weren't helpful. And watching these survivors in these groups be able to come to life, knowing that someone else heard that same thing and they felt like, oh, I wasn't supposed to like talk about it and I internalized it, but now I can talk about it and now we can both be mad about it. Mm -hmm. And like, there's healing there. And I love that. Yeah. 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 I agree. (laughs) That's everything. Um, Mm -hmm. That affirmation, that validation. I mean, that's healing within, within, within and of itself, um, Mm -hmm. you know? Well, and it brings out the feelings and emotions. I think that you talk so much about is allowing it to come out and we've stuffed it for so long because we thought we were the only one, or maybe they were right or whatever, but you know, I have a hard time getting in touch with my anger because it feels like Mm -hmm. sin. (laughs) Yeah, but it's been really helpful when I can allow it to come out. Absolutely. And important and important. Yes. Yeah. It just reminds me of one, one, one small point. One thing I remember sharing in a book about um, even the feeling of bitterness, which Mm -hmm. I don't think uh, the feeling of bitterness in the Bible, you'll find anything good about that feeling. Right. But psychologically, you know, bitterness actually has a purpose. I mean, when we feeling bitter for a time after we've been hurt actually protects us from being, putting ourselves back in the same position again. Mm. Even that is protective. Sure. We're feeling bitter, you know, um, and and not, again, not saying that, you know, it's, it's a great place to stay there forever, Mm -hmm. but that feeling um, is protective. It, it, it keeps us at a distance from those who, did something harmful, which That's is good. what we need. Um, yes. So all of these emotions have a purpose. All of them they are do. It's so all cool. of it. And, and that's where we should start, like listening in. What are you trying to tell me? Yeah. How are you trying to protect me? Then you make a decision about how you want to move forward, but at least listen to what they're trying to tell you. Mm. Man, you have given us such a gift just in your wisdom and your words and the way you say it. I'm really excited for all of our followers and our listeners to get this book. Why do I feel like this by Peace Amati? Peace, could you share um, just how people can find you, where you want them to buy your book, et cetera, et cetera? 
Yeah, thank you for asking. So you guys, um, so everyone, everyone listening <laughs> can uh, certainly stay connected with me at It's Pisamati on Instagram. But yes, do go ahead and get this book. You can get it on Amazon. You can get it on Barnes and Nobles, Target, Target.com. Um, pretty much everywhere books are sold, which is kind of exciting, but, um, (laughs) and it has your face on it. It has my big old face on it. (laughs) Girl, that's a whole new level for a new author. I know. And that it was funny. They, they suggested that. So I, you know, I'm a first time author. So I, you know, I don't know if you remember, you know, what that was like, but there were so many things I didn't know. And they came to me and they said, we think your face should be on this book. I'm like, are y'all sure? (laughs) I mean, that's saying something. Then you got a nice mug. I guess. So so we did it. And I was like, there's my face. That's amazing. Um, We'll see in the long run how it works. But um, (laughs) yeah. So my face is on it. Can't miss me. You'll know exactly who's talking to you. That's Uh, right. In this book, I do believe in, in the words that I put on those pages. And I'm just asking everyone that they meet me in those pages. Let's talk. Absolutely. That will be happening. Well, thank you so much for your time today. You are a beautiful soul and we're really grateful to know you. Thank you so much, Nicole. It's been an honor. This whole, I love it. I love what your podcast is about. Um, and I love you. (laughs) Thank you. I love you too. Thank you so much for listening. Be sure to subscribe, write a review if you heard something you liked, even invite others to listen so we can be on this healing journey together. You can check us out on Facebook or go to IamOneVoice.org.